I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn to 2 Peter, chapter 3. And reading the last few verses of the chapter, that is, 2 Peter, chapter 3, beginning with verse 13. In light of what was said in the earlier part of the chapter, in verse 13, it says, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that he look for such things, be diligent that he may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. So keep pressing on. Verse 15. And account that the longsuffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul also according to the wisdom that was given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things. I admit, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and ignorant or unstable rest or wrestle. They wrestle with things that they don't understand. As they do also other scriptures unto their own downfall or destruction. You therefore, beloved brethren, seeing in no these things before. Beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in a knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word as we send our thoughts on the last phrase there, last verse. Growing in grace and knowledge. Father in heaven, thank you for keeping us from falling. Thanking you for providing for us. Thanking you for meeting our needs. Thanking you for saving our souls. Lord, we pray today, if there be one here who is not born again, that this one will be born again and come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Father, remove from us anything that was caused distraction and that we will stay focused on you and upon your word in this hour. 
Oh, Father, and oh God, forgive us of our sins that we have committed against you, whether they be by word, by thought, or by deed. And may your will be accomplished in and through us these mercies we ask through Jesus Christ, O oh Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Growing in grace and knowledge. When Peter wrote these two epistles, persecution of the saints was widespread back then. As a result, it caused the church to be scattered throughout the regions of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Asia and Bithynia. He began his concluding remarks by telling them to be on their guard. To be on your guard against getting caught up in the error of those who proclaim a different gospel. He admonished the brethren to remain holy, to love one another, to be alert, to be alert, to be faithful, and to grow in grace and in knowledge. To grow in grace is an activity. It is not a state of the mind or a state of being. Growing relates to increasing. Increasing in size. Increasing in knowledge. Maturity. Or in capability. As believers, we have entered into a state of grace according to Romans 5 and verse 2. But it should not be a static state or becoming stagnant. We should be growing in grace and knowledge. Every state or every stage of our lives. In everything you can think about, growth is necessary. Be it in human life, plant life, business, the economy, industry, you name it. Whether it be physically or spiritually, we need to grow. The truth be told, very few people are interested in spiritual growth. Whether it be in the grace or the knowledge of God. What do you suppose is the most important thing in the world or for every Christian. If you ask me, I would tell you that it is to grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some people will doubt that. But, if you should turn in your Bible 
to the passage which was read for the scripture reading. In Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, you will see what the most important thing in the world is to which I believe that most people will disagree with me. If I were to ask you, no, don't answer. As far as you're concerned, what is the most important thing in the world? I believe that some people will tell you that it's their money, their wealth. Some will say their degrees, degrees that they have in education, their property, their jewelry, perhaps their fame. But Jeremiah wished to disagree. Look in your Bibles and follow along very carefully. I hope you did not miss it when the scripture was read. But this is what it says. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, his education. Or the strong man boast in his strength. Or the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast about this, that he understands and knows me. Amen. Amen. When I look up this, I realize that I had this underline in my Bible in red for such a long time ago. That I am the Lord. Who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For in this, I, or for in these, I delight, declares the Lord. Amen. Amen. So, as you understand it from the reading of the word, what is the most important thing? The most important thing in the world is that you understand and know that the Lord is God. Amen. It is not for you to boast in your wealth, in your strength, in your education, in your college degrees and your jewelry and your fame. Some people like to talk about their fame. And how many colleges and law degrees that they have. As plant life needs soil, air, water and light in order for it to grow. And as the body needs food, water and many other varied necessities. In order for the body to develop, so it is that there are conditions indispensable for spiritual growth. We should all have a desire to advance in our divine life, in our life in Christ, so that we can attain our fullest potential. If we are to grow strong in the Lord, 
the conditions must be right. In keeping with our subject, growing in grace and in knowledge. We have two points only for today. One, growing in knowledge and growing in grace. However, I want to turn the subject around a little bit. And we are going to deal, first of all, all with knowledge. Now, it says in the Bible that we ought to grow in knowledge, or sorry, in grace and knowledge. So we're going to turn it around and we are going to begin with the knowledge because I want to finish with grace. For by grace are ye saved. So we'll talk about the grace secondly. Number one. Now this is what I want you to get. Now, let me say here, brethren. Whenever I get up to preach, I pray and I beg the Lord to help me to be very clear. So that you get something. You will not be able to get everything that I say. If you ask me tomorrow, or even this afternoon, all that I said this morning, I can't tell you. However, some people are there sitting, and they're waiting to hear everything that I say wrong, and they're looking for the negative. Now, what I want to do, forget the negative aspects, if there is such a thing, and people misunderstand when I say negative. When I say negative, those things which are not positive. For example, if I talk about um, what people, what the world is not. You know, the, the, the negatives in the world. Forget about those. But notice, I'll always turn to the positive. There's the negative and the positive, and some people can't understand that. You have a battery. A battery has a negative terminal and a positive. And some people want to, all they get up want, want to talk about, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Listen, here we talk about praise the Lord. But we got to talk about the judgment of God. And sometimes it disturbs me really when I hear people say, oh, you're so negative. You're always talking about the negative. They miss the positive aspect of it. Why do you think I'm going to talk about knowledge first? Because knowledge is good, but grace is better. Amen? No, knowledge is not a, not a negative, but I'm saying that I change it on because I want to talk about grace. Because grace is just about everything, as you shall see in a little while. That is free. That is not a part of my message. So give me back my time. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I just want you to listen. When you sit down, for God's sake, think about the positive things. And you don't accentuate the negative things. And if I say something that is, you know, maybe a little not out of the way, and I probably should not have said, don't say that was the message about. Sometimes I hear people say, Pastor Man was preaching such preaching about such and such as a Lord have mercy. That is what they got. Sometimes, you know, they get the illustration. Sometimes they get a little bit of thing I say, a little bit of news that um, probably I should not have said. <laughs> because it becomes a distraction, but it is just to throw light upon the message that I would say certain things so that you understand. And all they get is was the illustration, and they miss the message 100%. It's like playing cricket. And the ball is dead on your stump and you, you play over the ball and you knock your middle stump and all the stump on them out. So you get your middle stump knocked out. You play over the ball when you miss the message. 
What is the gist of the message? Grow in grace and knowledge. And if you don't remember that, for God's sake, remember. Grow in grace and knowledge. Those are the two points. So I'm giving you them so that you don't miss the message. Just in case I say anything later on that I should not have said. And I do admit that sometimes I say things that I wish I didn't say. Because it becomes a distraction. But I thought it was necessary so that you'll get the idea. So, we are dealing strictly with these two points. Number one, grow in grace and knowledge. So, when I finish, you, 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 I'm going to finish right down these two. You can put down your pen and listen to me. Okay, number one, growing in grace. The question is, what is involved in growing in knowledge of God? In Paul's prayer for the Colossians, in Colossians chapter 1, uh, verses 9 through 11, which we will not take the time to read, there are four principles governing the knowledge of God in a growing believer. Number one, here are four things. Well, you don't put on your pen yet. Here are four things that you want to probably write down here on the growing in knowledge. Number one, God alone is the author of our knowledge in himself. God alone is the author of our knowledge in himself. Only God alone could reveal to us himself. We read about God revealed himself to Moses. God revealed himself to Elijah. God revealed to himself to different ones. Only God alone can do that. No scientist, no magician can do it for you. But you have to be in tune with God. God alone is the witness of himself. God doesn't reveal himself how we can possibly, if God doesn't reveal himself, how could we possibly know about him? But then it comes through his word. Number two, the knowledge of God involves spiritual wisdom and understanding. How are we going to obtain it? Through his word. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to transform our lives and to open our eyes to the truth. Number three, growth in the knowledge of God requires patience and a teachable spirit. Some people do not have a teachable spirit. They don't want to hear anything about the word of God. The Christian life is not for sprinters. But it is for long distant runners. People who think. It is not for people who think they know about the word of God and they know everything. It is people who are willing to learn from the word of God. And so number four, the knowledge of God cannot be separated from faithfulness to God. If you're going to get to know God, you got to be faithful to him.
we discover that the knowledge of God is the most important thing in the world. That's what we understand from the reading of the word. And why so? Because the knowledge of God is our greatest privilege and our greatest need. I said again because I think you didn't get it. The knowledge of God is our greatest privilege and our greatest need. May I ask you, what do you think is your greatest need? I guess you'll say, another million. Another billion. Another trillion. And these days, nobody talk about millionaire now. Millionaire is old time story. People are talking about billionaires. You know, a long time ago, you got a million dollars, you feel like you got it made. When you got a million dollars, you could hardly build a house. And so million dollar out of style. People are talking about billionaires and trillionaires and things. You hear about millions, you know. But that is not our greatest need. Some people may think that their greatest need is a bigger house. Another car. Some more jewelry and some more bags with um, name brand and thing, you know, name brand bags, you know. And you go on and on and on and on. Knowing God is your greatest need. It is the essence of salvation and all true spiritual experience. It is also the source of our true understanding of what understanding of what the Christian life really is. That is what a lot of people don't know about. We could say a lot more about growing in knowledge and it would take a whole message. But we got to move on to number two. Growing in the grace of God. Now you ask, what is grace? In short, grace is the unmerited favor of God in simple terms. The unmerited favor in that, we don't own it. We don't, sorry, earn it. We don't work for it. God gives it freely. Not only that. Grace, it is one of the primary attributes of God. Not only that, all that God does for us is because of his grace. It is God's gift to mankind. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen? Amen? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 9, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, and for his great love, wherein he loved us, when we were dead in trespasses and sin, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together, 
and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show his exceeding riches of his grace. Amen. Amen. The riches of his grace. Many people are poor when it comes to the grace of God. But the riches of God's grace is dear. People prefer to be rich in house and land and money and so forth. Rather than being rich in the grace of God. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves is a gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast. You may not be rich in dollars and cents. And let me tell you, you may never get rich in dollars and cents at the way things are going. And they try to take every dime from you. Don't worry about it. Brethren, I don't worry about it. Let them take it and keep it. When the rapture takes place, whose will it be? In John chapter 1, verses 14 to 17, we are told, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. These are beautiful verses that I love. John's gospel, chapter 1, verses 14 to 17. These are beautiful. These are sweet. Uh, you should underline them in your Bible. And we beheld the glory, or his glory. The glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Amen. John be a witness of him. And cried, saying, this was he of whom I spake, pointing to Jesus. He that cometh after me is preferred before me. For he was before me, amen. And of his fullness have we received, all of us, and grace for grace, amen. For. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Amen. Brethren, the importance of grace. There isn't anything like the grace of God. Finally, the question is, how do we grow in grace? How do we grow in grace? Here are a few things. Number one. Read and study the word of God. You refuse to read and study the word of God and get a daily dose of studying the word of God. You are not going to grow in grace and in knowledge of God. Number two. Develop a love for the word of God. I love the verse. Which I mentioned to you Wednesday night. A special verse in the Bible that I just love. One of my special. Psalm 119 and verse 165. You remember somebody quote that for us? Anybody remember what it is? Amen. Thank you, my sister. Say it again. Great peace have they. Which love thy word. That's what law means. And nothing shall offend them. Amen. Amen. You must, as a Christian, get to the place where you refuse. 
to allow yourselves to be offended by what people say and do. What people are saying about you is none of your business. Stay out of their business. Let them, let people talk. Let people say what they want for God's sake. And you are ready to blow your top because somebody says something. And you get angry and upset every time somebody says something. Man, you need to love the word of God. And you would not. Brother Ingham, says so. Read it again. Quote it again for them. Uh, uh, Ariana, I think it is. Who it is? Adriana. And um, Ariana did it Wednesday night, I think. Brethren, that's a verse that I went back and I realized, oh my goodness, I have this thing on the line in my Bible. And I begin, I'm beginning to love that verse. Listen. Read it again. Great peace have they which love thy word. Use the word word, okay? Because that's what it means unless people get the wrong idea. It's interchangeable. And nothing shall offend them. Hallelujah. When I was a boy, my father was a man. He don't get frightened about anything. And one time somebody said, Maynard, that didn't frighten you? He said, boy, let me tell you something. What frightened me? Turn over truck. <laughs> My brethren, I have it now when you say, I'm, 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 I'm my, I, I am my father's son. And so listen, I said to people, listen, what offend me? Turn over backo. <laughs> A backhoe would be there standing. And you say something and you offend me. Well, boy, you're going to turn over a backhoe. You have to get to the place where you don't let what people say offend you. You smile. And don't blow your tongue. What did you say? I'm going to take you down under the clock. Breathing down under the clock is not for Christian people. I told you already, down under the clock is the place where you waste time. And money. Big money. You get in the courts of God and you learn how not to blow your tops. Develop a love for the word of God. Great peace have they which love thy word and nothing shall offend them. Brethren, have you gotten the gist of it? This is what happens when you grow in grace and in the knowledge of God. Number three, be consistent in prayer. Be regular in church attendance. Amen. Amen. Some people come to church once every third Sunday. Some come once every second Sunday. Some come the first Sunday of the month. Some come depending upon how they feel when they get up in the morning. Some people come to church depending on what side, which, which, which side of the bed they roll off on. Brethren, coming to church should not depend upon how you feel. Number five. How do we go in grace? We go in grace by being obedient to God. Number six. We go in faith in grace. By being faithful in God's work. Amen. Amen. Be faithful in God's work. And finally, number seven. If you fail to grow in grace, you are going to grow in disgrace. There is no way. There is no other way. There is no middle ground. 
if you fail to grow in grace. Man, every time somebody says something, I'm going to tell you. Now let me tell you something, you know. Now let me leg my tongue on you. <laughs> you better tie that tongue that you got there. One time they used to say, talk is cheap. Talk was cheap as long as you're not talking on your phone. <laughs> and if somebody not going to take you under the clock. To grow in grace. It's not a matter of having God become gracious to you. He rather... It is for you as a believer. It is your responsibility to grow in grace. It must be understood that spiritual growth is not automatic. Simply because you come to church on Sunday morning doesn't mean that you are growing, you're going to grow in grace and knowledge. You come to church and you don't pay attention. And you are distracted by everything. And you are just, your mind just wandering all over the place. And you cannot bring your mind into subjection. You cannot stay focused. You are distracted by all kinds of things. You expect that you are going to grow in grace. It is your responsibility. Therefore, you must be willing to make the necessary sacrifices if you are going to grow in grace and if you are going to be strong in the Lord. The only way that you could get to know God is through his word and spending time with him. Spending time in your word, in the word is, is, is necessary. The only way that you are going to get a college degree is by attending college and studying. You just go to college and you play the fool. Do you think that you're going to get any degree? You'll turn out to be a big failure. I don't want, I, 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 something come to my mind, it's not a part of my message, but I think I'm going to say it here. It might be a distraction for some of you, those who can't stay focused. But you heard to the boy, the boy, boy, his father was a wealthy man and sent him to college. And he went to college and played the fool and did not study. And he came back home. And his father realized that he failed miserably because he was out there with the boys. And he tell him, what are you going to do? He said, well, he don't know. He said, in um, school, how did you say when you learn languages? How did you say Ho. He said, ho, hoi boss. Hoi boss. He said, son, how did you say belly? He said, belly boss. <laughs> he said, son, go take up your hoi boss and go out in the land. And walk until your belly bust. <laughs> he wasted his time. You go there and you focus 
on what is being taught. You go to college, you don't go there to play fool. You go to school. Some people go to school to play. They don't take in what the teacher is saying. And they're distracted. And you expect that you're going to come out and you're going to get a whole bunch of the um, 12 subjects, 7 subjects. No! You got to be focused. You're doing English? Stay focused. You're doing maths? Stay focused. And I'm sorry for your children with all these new maths and things. I thank God when I went to school, we had simple maths. This new maths, this new maths thing, I asked my son, I said, Pastor Wayne, is all this mumbo jumbo here really necessary? He said, yeah. If you're going to understand uh, the dynamics and thing and flying and all kind of thing. Man, simple. Two plus two equal four. And I, I, I want to know, can't they get along? And all the simple things that you teach the children. And they're missing because they're so complicated. And they stop telling the children the difference between a B and a D. And the simple math is, the difference between a B and a D is you write a C. And the B, you put the stick in front of it. And that's a B. You write a C. They say one way. Or an O. All right. You write an O. And you put the stick on it. On the right hand side, on the left hand side, and asabi, put it in front of it. And you put the stick on the back of the O, and it becomes a D. And say, oh yeah. And all their life they can't get the difference between us and D. Because what? Of the new maths and thing. And the new thing, you know what I mean? So simple. Some of the children need a calculator. If they're going to add seven and nine, they can't get it. All you tell them, if you add two uneven numbers, you get an equal number. If you add two even numbers, you get an even number. If you add an equal number and an odd number, yeah, an even and an odd. Like, for example, a two and a three. Yeah, that's odd. An odd number and an even number. You get it, right? And they miss that. And they say they don't teach the children like that anymore. Listen, anytime you're adding up, you don't need a calculator, and you see a seven and a nine, you know it's going to come out an even number. Those are two odd numbers. They say don't teach them that way. You give them a bunch of zero, and then they still come up with a seven down there after a ball bunch of zero. They count the seven zero and put a seven. <laughs> because they don't know. If you have all zero, you don't get a zero. And sometimes I see children struggle, I shake my head. And an educator tell me, Pastor Maynard, they don't teach children like that anymore. I say, God be thanked, they taught us sense. And common sense is not always common. It is common sense that if you add an 8 and a 9, you get an equal number. Uh, sorry. <laughs> an odd number. <laughs> I'm confused. Well, I'm glad I'm saying because some of you are beginning to get it now. You're beginning to get it, and you didn't know. And some children go to school, and they don't know it. But You have to add two odd numbers together, equal number. And two, and even, or even, even, okay, sorry. You see what I mean? <laughs> we are learning maths here. 
with me? <laughs> I'm just saying, if you don't get these things early, you miss out. I say all that to say, if you don't get things of God at an early age, you're not going to get them. And just like you miss the secular education because they don't teach certain things anymore, you miss out on the spiritual because we are not teaching the basic things of God anymore. I said all that to say, I hope you didn't lose the message. And that I want to finish by telling you, listen, brethren, the reason why we had so many great men in the past is because they knew the word of God and they knew God. You know why we're not seeing many great things happening now? Because we don't know God. Here is something I want to leave with you, and this is just free. People who know God, they have great confidence in God. People who know God have great contentment with God. Little is much when God is in it. This generation doesn't know how to get along with little. They want big money. Some of them are going to tell you, your parents, going to tell you, $25 can't buy no lunch. Brethren, $25 back then was almost three months' salary. <laughs> and when we went to school with a piece of bread and a sugar cake inside, a piece of sugar cake, not a whole sugar cake, a piece of sugar cake, we used to do well. But here it is going to school and you give them $25 for lunch. And they come out with nothing in their hand. No degree. When you get a big lunch, you come out with some big degree. Amen? Show something for the lunch. Big lunch. Big money. Amen? Oh, sorry. Big, big education. And then you make big money. But you see, they come out of school with nothing and they want to make big money. You're not going to get any big job if you didn't put anything in your brain when you were in school. You can't have great confidence in God if you didn't put anything in your brain. You think of people who knew God because they knew his word. Think of David. David had great boldness. Imagine a little boy, a great big giant out there, and he's going to think one little stone could knock out the bread, could kill a giant. David knew that that stone can't kill the giant. But David had confidence in God that God is going to take the stone and kill the giant. And it's like David said, wait a minute here. He is so big. How could anybody miss him? You just shut your eye and shut his stone. You can't miss the man. He's a broad. And they said, oh, boy, David, go back home. The man is so big, we can't kill him. David said, man, the man is so big, you can't miss him. Shut your eye and shut his stone. David just sling his things out and boom. And God directed and killed the giant. Amen. People who know God have great confidence and boldness in God. And they're courageous. And they know that little is much when God is in it. And the reason why this world doesn't know how to be content with a little salary and they want big salary is because they don't know God. And God could take that little salary and do great things with it. And you have that big salary and you can't pay your house rent. <laughs> a lot of people have big salary and they default 
on their loans because they spend the money on things that they should not. And the first thing, they did not give God what belonged to him. If you give God what belongs to him, God will bless you and provide for you. You know how God could provide for you? He keep you from trouble. Trouble eats up money. God knows how to keep you and direct you. You have confidence. And finally, people who know God have great energy for God. They know how to work for God and they don't get tired because God gives them the strength and the energy. May I ask you, are you growing in grace, the grace of God? Are you going in understanding and knowledge of God? I was surprised myself and I said to my wife and I said to my Sunday school class. I prepared this message between since Tuesday and Friday and I studied my Sunday school lesson on Saturday evenings and Sunday morning before I come I refresh. And when I saw that the Sunday school message and, the, uh, and my sermon was the same, I said to my wife, Marilyn, is this any coincidence that this message that I prepared last week and I come to my Sunday school lesson and my Sunday school talking about the same, same thing. Knowing God and knowing his word. Brethren, this could not be coincidence. And I said to myself, God had something to say to this church here today. And especially those in Sunday school class, I told them, listen, I tell you the secret, but don't tell anybody. Don't tell nobody who in our Sunday school class. The very same Sunday school lesson we have here is what I prepared between Tuesday and Friday. Don't tell me that this is coincidence. This is divine providence that God is saying to us that we need to get closer to him and we need to get to know him better. And brethren, when we get to know God better, there is going to be a revival and we shall come out as gold. Job knew God and Job, through all his trials, came out as gold. The challenges that we are facing now with the pastor being absent and his wife having surgery and they cannot be here. This is a trial period. But after the end of it, we are going to come out as gold. Don't tell them. I'm going to tell you something, but don't tell them. I believe that God was saying, listen man, you all have done so much. You all need a little break. But after this, you're going to come out as gold. Amen? 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 They worked hard for the past, what it is, eight or seven years? And they have transformed Shiloh. Amen? And they were not taking a break. And it seems as what God wanted. God said to them, listen, you all take a break. And don't worry about this surgery here. You're going to come out as gold. And you're going to have a greater ministry. And you're going to be able to minister to more people. And more people are going to get to hear about you. And they're going to see my handiwork in your life. Amen? Amen? And I am confident. That all is going to be well. Aren't you? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Listen, people who know God must have great thoughts with God. Amen? Amen? This might be a setback, but it's just a little setup for a comeback. Amen? Amen. And only God knows, and this might be the beginning of the revival. Amen?